today or this week, what's different is that I have a topic to talk about or to go through. But it's been a topic uh, on my mind for quite a while. And mean a while, but I mean a long while. And I really didn't know what to think about it. Uh, which is uh, the question of masculinity and femininity. If I said the word right. You know, the masculine and the feminine. You know, the yin-yang. Um, I don't know, men and women. Soft and hard protective and aggressive, all that, I really, the more I go into myself, the more confused I am about the two. One is about feelings, one is about assertiveness, whatever. And probably someone who studied the concepts of masculine and the feminine, probably going to tell me, oh, you're getting it all wrong, or you're getting it all right, or whatever. Probably I'm wrong about everything I'm saying. But this is how it feels to me now. The masculine and the feminine are just attempts by us humans to explain or categorize how we behave. Maybe it's the original archetypes or something like that but anyway see again this is giving an opinion i'm not really going into it where shall one start from you know starting from uh with a topic that is kind of imposed on us more anything more than anything else it is imposed I mean, it's not like the masculine and the feminine. It's also what comes along with it. So before even going into the actual thing, if there is any, that's the thing, I don't know. But what we are dealing with, uh, for most of the time, is what we believe about them. I'm not saying what it takes to be a woman or a man. That, that's, that's, I would say, too boring to discuss now. If you're discussing it still, I would say, I, I would leave. I wouldn't even <laughs> engage in such a topic. Uh, too much energy for no... It's just... Anyway, moving on. But to discuss about the topic of masculine and feminine... Is it an energy, an emotional standard, tendency? Otherwise, it feels like it's both. One, they say, one has more than the other. Other people say this one has one awakened more than the other. And probably one is actually, how can I say it? 
one has one dormant or asleep completely while the other is going wild. Maybe that's the image of a macho man or a very... I don't know. I don't want to even go to the topic of women. I don't know what that would be. <laughs> Buzz. Hmm. Before even going into it, why am I concerned? Why Why did I pick this topic? I really don't know. It seems like fun. It seems like a fun topic to go into. Something uh, to inquire about. It's just fun. I don't know what we will get out of it. I don't know what most people actually also are trying to get out of by explaining the yin-yang and the feminine and the masculine. I really don't understand. I mean, I have theories. I have an idea about it. Probably, it's, I think, the simplest is to shed aware more awareness about oneself and why do they do what they do, you know? In the sense that we are driven rather than like you know rather than living through and by choice hmm. if i am going to discuss not even discuss to dialogue over concepts First thing I need to do is, do they exist in me? Do that concern, is that concern alive with me? It is not. But what's present is kind of a, a kind of freedom that is curious about it. And what brought it about what brought it about? See, I don't see any problem. I don't see a problem into not having them. But I do see a problem into having them. Well, that's not really true. I don't even see a problem in having them. Where they exist or where they don't. Doesn't really matter. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to observe whatever is, whether I like it or not. Whether it mattered or not. Whether it's relevant or not. Whether it's crucial or not. Whether you care about it or not.
So does it matter what's masculine and what's feminine? Or it's just a matter of confirming the other's opinion? It's a matter of history. The feminine and the masculine so far in my head, they matter as long as I'm attached to my history and you are attached to yours. Because I do what I do and then it's linked in one way or another and then the fear is about comes about through the attachment of the history and the past and time. But if there is no attachment, would there be a problem? Or is it a matter of studying, you know, the masculine and the feminine? Is it like, this is like one of the things through which human beings are studied? But how are they confirmed, confirmed, you know? How are they measured in such a way? It's such a fluid thing. Otherwise, you know, we're machines. I mean, we're brought up to be machines. And then we're not, and we are not being machines. We say like, oh, it's a liberal person or something like that, you know. But even that becomes some kind of setup to live one's life through. So other than the history and the attachment, the identity, of course, that goes with it, What is left for us to look into? Sensation? Because see, the feelings, let's go back a little bit, why I said sensation, I didn't say feelings. Feelings almost cannot exist without thoughts, the way we understand them, or the way we actually refer to them day in and day out. You can't have one without the other. You think about that. You go into that. So again, it's also linked to history. Whatever I like, what I don't like, you know, I like some words and I don't like others, and I have imagery, all that memory related. Now you put that all that aside. I'm assuming that you've been following the podcast for a while. We put all that aside. And the masculine and the feminine as well, because of what we just said. So what is left? What is left of the human experience? Would say sensation. That's not an answer, that's a question. An inviting question. What does sensation, does does sensation have anything to do with the masculine and the feminine?
I don't know if that was a, a burning question. But the need to distinguish between the feminine and the masculine. Psychologically, of course, it's a very human thing. It's not like we're talking about technological thing. Or something that is crucial because some kind of accident is going to be, you know, in the physical world. That need, you know, is it a creative need? The, you know, the need to distinguish between the two. I mean, distinguish as if they are actually exist, you know, rather than not. Just a conceptualization, that concept brought about by humans, you know, by God. Maybe at some point it is real, but then whatever is this around is not. Because you can track it through history. Sometimes this is um, the validation for anything that is, you know, that's a justification. It's like, oh, it's been around for hundreds or thousands of years. As if this justifies what is and what isn't. Or completely disconnect from the here and now. We're so dependent on time and history. It's crazy. It's actually really crazy. How much of our daily lives... How much of our lives is uh, controlled by what was. I'll let you reflect on that. It's deep. But then for me to distinguish anything, right? There's a risk. There's a need. What's the need? What's the need between distinguishing between the masculine and the feminine? Right? Some kind of threat or desire. Which kind of like are not Separate from one another, is, is it like a normal desire or is it like a big, de crucial desire? Hmm. Any, both of those things have sensation in them, is it, don't they? Now, desire we explained in the past, I don't know if it needs to be explained again. But when I desire something, I need to know it first. I cannot desire something that doesn't that I don't know, you know? I think that's enough, yeah. So it's also part of time and history and all that. And we said we distinguish between feelings and sensation. Not saying that sen our, sen our senses and the sensations are not conditioned by our past. No, we're just looking into it. But the question of the masculine and the feminine how much of sensation is part of that? I mean, regardless of what everyone says, 
I think it is the only part. Why else would anyone ask anything about anything? But the sensation that is going through is here, right? Is there any value of inquiring about the sensation that is taking place in one's body, in, in one? Inquire about it externally? I mean, we're together, hopefully, inquiring into ourselves. So you're not inquiring into yourself through me. Then that's just, uh, it could be entertaining, you know, hearing, <laughs> hearing me out. But we're in inquiring and exploring ourselves together. Maybe there is something that is also blocking the exploration and inquiry, which is roles. What is my role in this relationship? What is your role in this relationship? How much am I fulfilling this role or that role? And how much I'm not? And these, some roles are feminine, some roles are masculine, some people, some roles are for people, some roles are for like hard work, all that hard work. As if people are not hard work. See, it's, it's, it's just whatever has been fed that is being expressed now. It's very interesting because none of it kind of makes sense, but it's an attempt of expressing the conditioning through one, like I'm just expressing it. I'm going to base decisions on it. Right? When it's really when when it really matters, one need to really slow down. Not slow down because oh it's very complex. No, because so the conditioning can be heard clearly. So when we communicate with each other, when there is a problem, there is a really need to go on a steady pace. And similarly here. So, if we are free from the roles, images, identity, assuming, of course, if we are, does the masculine and the feminine have any meaning? Hmm. And if that is then the sensation, does it come with fear? Fear signified by the attachment to the past, which this sensation that I'm feeling now is not a part of. Or I don't know if it's a part of or not, because it's already been labeled with the with the past. So the question, can I look at the sensation that is taking place now?
Are we here to collect information and knowledge about the human being, about each other? Is that necessary to live? A life that is worth it? We really don't know why these things came about, the, distinct, the distinctions. I mean, there are many reasons, but it isn't. Maybe it is really an attempt to look clearly at what's happening. The sensation is there. The reaction is different. The reaction is the reaction is one thing. The reaction is in one place and the sensation is another. Distinguishing between the two might hint and that there is some kind of lack of calibration for the lack of a better expression. But I wonder if we can live in a way where none of that where 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 that kind of way of managing one's internal life is redundant or old fashioned you know like you used to you know just new technology old technology Observing oneself, one realizes is just, it has no need, there is no place for it in the observation. Because it doesn't make me... It conditions my observation. Hmm. But is there a way where this knowledge can be present or is present without distorting my observation? So basically, can thought be present? while the observation also is. If that's the case, then what I'm observing is not the fact, but the thought of it, or about it. Now, that's not doesn't mean that that's not valuable. No, it's understanding one's own history, one's own distractions, explanations, descriptions, and all that. Maybe through that, it could be understood that there is some kind of practice to look at one's thought and then look at oneself, you know, beyond the thought in order to check. But see, there is, in that sense, there is a comparison. So I would say, can I look without comparison? 
because if I'm comparing, then I'm, I'm controlled already by, by whatever I'm comparing to. It's rooted in that which is, you know, what, what, what started the thing. So can I be free from comparison? Hmm, we're getting somewhere. Comparison between masculine and feminine, good and bad, all the new, all that. Also, between what is, actually is, and the thought of it. You see? Because there's always this trap. It's like, okay, is this is this thought from me or it's from, you know, <laughs> from no one? It just is. And all of a sudden, thought is godly. You know? My words are the words of God or the words of the divine. Oh my God. Like, you know, let's just let's just stop stop there, I guess. But can I look without comparison? Hmm. See how that feels like, for the lack of a better word. See how this is moving. this question is moving and how it moves Thank you.
to observe without comparison, right? To observe without comparison. It's actually to live without comparison internally. Different points in time. Individuals and what they represent. Histories, times, dreams, futures, pasts. Actually, without comparison, when observation is, comparison is not. And when comparison is, observation is not. Now, I might observe the fact of comparison, but the moment that is observed, that fact's not being compared to something else. Otherwise, I'm not really observing it. It's part of the heritage, right? Our heritage, our history. So can I look and observe, attend to the core matter where the distinction between the feminine and the masculine has been put? And don't be bothered by the silence. We're together in this. Usually I put a track to cover this area, but maybe for this one, we don't. attempt to make us whole again. Is it that when it came about that we were already self-destructive, that it was deemed necessary to be pointed out so you'd be aware, or I'd be aware, of the missing part. Whatever I'm suppressing. Whatever we are suppressing. Can I be responsible 
in a way and to a point. Where concrete distinctions are or become only hindrances internally, not in communication, of course. I think what I'm trying to say is that can I be whole without another? Or can anyone be whole with another? It seems that most of our lives the aim is to be whole. So we help each other to reach that point. And it seems that's to be the goal. But actually now, really? The goal starts, you know, which is living. Once one is whole, but it's not a goal to be whole. Because if it's a goal, then I'm treating myself poorly, like a project, like like something, you know, that something heavy that needs to be dealt with. What is clear that is actually, I've been trying my the whole time to deal with myself and to deal with you. And now I can see that I'm in no way, I have not, I don't have enough understanding to deal with this at all. Or you as well. in an original, timeless way, you know, without time being part of it. I know how to do with, deal with history, right? I prepare my own moves and all that. Yeah. So can I, or can, whatever is in the way, to seize so this organism can speak itself. Not to a point, but just to speak itself. Not one time, but just the attitude is speaking itself up. Not to prove a point, not to compare, not to get one thing or another, because I don't know what is the speaking. Without comparison, it all ceases to make sense to whatever was. But then, only then, 
that communication becomes so beautiful and creative. In whatever way and for whatever purpose, communication becomes, not becomes, clears out, clears up to be marvelous. What is communication without comparison? This would be our last question. What would communication be without comparison?
Communication without comparison is probably something I've never done before. Actually, it is something that cannot be intended. Work towards or work from. Work from. Even work from, because that's a desire. Communication without comparison is just I cannot even imagine it and it's just just saying it like that kind of fills my whole being to be honest with oh it's like an invitation to be alive an invitation to and just an invitation Honesty, you know? Yeah. And of course, it doesn't mean that, you know, we're done with desires, we're done with motives and aims and all that. Like, it just, just is. And just like this moment. See you guys next month.